Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever wonder what psychologists talk about over coffee? I'm Debbie Sorensen, a clinical psychologist in Mile High, Denver, Colorado, where I specialize in rehab and health psychology and acceptance and commitment therapy. And I'm Diana Hill, a clinical psychologist in CSI in Santa Barbara, California, where I specialize in mindfulness and values-based approaches to therapy. In this podcast, we bring psychology research into practice by discussing topics from psychology with experts in the field and with each other. You'll get a glimpse into the books we read, the research we think is interesting, and the ideas from psychology that we use to thrive in our own lives. Thank you for listening to Psychologists Off the Clock. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning, Diana. And how perfect that we are recording this together in the morning because this is an episode about mornings. And not only that, we're actually recording it on Daylight Savings Day, which is a day that is going to make that morning getting up even a little bit more challenging for people. But we're going to have some ideas today that might be helpful for that. Yes, we're going to be sharing some tips for you of how to create a meaningful morning routine. And Debbie and I are also going to talk about our own morning routines, how they've developed over time. And I was wondering, have you heard the term eat the frog first? Do you know, I had not until um, you you kind of mentioned it to me. Yeah, so it's actually a term that's floating around in coaching circles. And it comes from Mark Twain, who is quoted as saying, if you eat a live frog, First thing in the morning, you've got it behind you for the rest of the day and nothing else looks so bad. And it's this idea of doing hard things first. There's even a book title by Brian Tracy called Eat That Frog, which is all about time management. But what I wanted to kind of do was modify that a bit to say kiss the frog first. And what I mean by kissing the frog is to take time each morning to prioritize yourself whether that's prioritizing your physical, mental, or spiritual self. And it could have a really tremendous positive effect on the rest of your day. Plus, I don't know about you, Debbie, I kind of look a little frog-like, and I'm a little frog-like first thing, so I need some kissing. Look and sound a little froggish. Yeah, yeah I need to get transformed from my, my early wake-up self. Well, I really like your modification here because to me, as we'll discuss, um, this is a newer practice for me and I'm not sort of naturally a morning person, but for a long time I've struggled with wanting to get up earlier. And that idea of kissing the frog has helped that if I can turn it from something that I feel like I should do so that I can get up and do all these things that honestly I don't really want to be doing, um, you know, I continue to struggle, but this, um, the idea of getting up that we'll be talking about today of getting up and doing something that, that is for you, that feels meaningful to you, makes it a whole lot easier. Yes. So when we are really intentional about our, our mornings, we can create uh, a day that, that we believe in and, and a life that we believe in. So morning is an opportunity, not only to wake up from your day, but also to, uh, wake up to your day, but also to wake up from what Tara Brock calls a trance. And most of the time we go about our morning in this routine state. We're really habitual and patterned. We're an autopilot. And 
Tara Brock, I actually just went to a really wonderful uh, retreat with her, and she called this autopilot skimming the surface of our lives. And for some of us, while we're on autopilot in the morning, our mind is also going about doing its autopilot thing of worrying and being busy and planning and judging. And we don't really get the experience of being present in our lives. Morning time can also be a time that we could go back to do some of the things that we've been longing to do. And then we never feel like we have enough time to do. So it's an opportunity to maybe set, create some new habits and we have a choice to wake up differently. Yeah, I think, oh, sorry. I think that doing, um, thinking about that idea of a trance, that the part of this is that we can be a little bit more flexible in our behavior just by paying more attention to what we're doing and and changing it around. And I think the first step of that is definitely awareness and paying attention to it. And so we have to sort of get ourselves out of the trance and stop and think about, you know, what is it that we really want to be doing? Exactly. Yeah. There's actually uh, some studies that have been done with palliative care nurses who are nurses that work with the dying. And when they've been asked what is it that they most regret, when, when they've asked what the, dying, the people that are dying most regret, they say that what it is they most regret is not being true to themselves. So morning time is also an opportunity to carve out some time just for you to be true to yourself. Behavioral psychologists have long noted that Transforming your life is not about making big changes, but it's really about making small changes, daily practices, and that we know that willpower is actually greatest in the morning. So this is a great opportunity to do some of those practices that you want to create and establish a habit around. And what we also know from neuropsychology is that we can actually rewire our brains by doing daily practices. So what you do on a repetitive basis, whether it's your actions or it's your thoughts, can actually shapes your brain. It sculpts the neuropsychology of your brains. And this comes from a lot of the work by Rick Hansen. So when we get more intentional in the morning around how we want to sculpt our brain, do we want to sculpt it around meditation or art or, or, or movement practices? We do that repetitively. It will actually change the structure of, uh, of your, your brain. So before we get started on some of the tips that we have on creating a morning routine, I want to go back to episode number four, where we did a little coaching session together. And I had asked you in that session, what was something that you wanted to change? And let's go back in time. or certain behaviors that you may want to be working on changing, making a shift around? Yeah. Well, one thing I've been kind of thinking about lately and just have made, you know, a little here and there um, progress toward this is um, I tend to just have a really hard time putting myself to bed at night. Like I tend to stay up too late and I have a hard time shutting down in the evening because that's sort of the only time I have to myself. Um, so, and then I, what ends up happening is that I'm so tired in the morning, I hit the snooze button and then I'm, you know, frantic in the mornings and I'm running late. Um, so I'd really like to work on like just setting a better sleep routine where I go to bed, you know, at a certain time Mm -hmm. earlier than I have been Mm -hmm. and more consistent. So Debbie, how are you doing with getting to bed earlier? I'm doing 
I would say much better overall. It was really helpful to, um, I think two things. One, actually your coaching was helpful because I did implement some of the things, you know, that was over a year ago and I can't say that I've done it every single night for a year, um, clearly, but that overall I'm going to bed earlier and more frequently I'm getting to bed, um, significantly earlier actually. Um, and so one was your coaching and the other thing was I've just really been prioritizing sleep a lot more. So I've really been carving out more time in my life to get to bed and get plenty of sleep. And it's really been nice because I have been getting up earlier. And so I've had some time to do these meaningful things that I want to be doing, kissing my frog, Diana. So, you know, things like just savoring a cup of coffee. I've been doing a, a mindfulness app, um, some meditations with the app Headspace, um, sometimes I do a little bit of exercise. Sometimes I do a little journal entry or read a little bit. Um, so it's been really a big change for me. Yeah. And what was, I think, really came to fruition in that uh, episode was part of the reason why you had difficulty going going to bed early was that that nighttime was your time to yourself. And it seems like that's translated into you carving out some time in the early morning that's for yourself, which will that's allow right. you to go to bed earlier. Yeah. If I feel like I have it coming up, it, it sort of incentivizes me to get to bed earlier. And I do find that even though it's a little bit hard to wake up in the morning and get out of bed, once I do, I'm actually in a lot of ways more alert for when I do have that time to myself. I'm not quite as drained as I am if I try to take that same time in the evening. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that I want to ask our listeners is is sort of a miracle question. And the idea of a miracle question comes from both short-term therapy as well as it's used in ACT. And it's about if there was a miracle that happened, what would you, how would you live your life? And the reason why we ask a miracle question is it gets sort of carves out uh, and gets rid of all the excuses and reasons and cognitive barriers to why you're not doing something. So first, what I want you to do is maybe take a list, and I'll just ask you verbally, Debbie, about what are the routine tasks that you engage in right now, first thing in the morning? So you would go ahead and write down step by step, what does your morning look like? So what does your morning look like before you started implementing a morning routine? Uh-huh. Or even now on the days I don't do it. <laughs> yeah, on the days yeah, you don't do it. Yeah, because I don't always do it. Um, so, you know, wake up, uh, brush my teeth, make coffee, take a shower, get dressed, make breakfast, make the kids lunches, search for my keys for at least five minutes, um, frantically try to make out of the door late. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's so about so standard. Can, as you say it, it's somewhat robotic. Yeah. Somewhat predictable. It's pretty not, uh, tedious, I would say. Yeah. yeah. And if you were to continue having your morning routine look like that for 20 years, 20 years down the road, what do you think would be the benefits to your life? Um... Well, I would be fed and, you know, groomed. <laughs> That's about it. Not many benefits. Not uh, many benefits. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's do the miracle. If there was a miracle and you were to wake up maybe at a spa or on vacation or be able to wake up in an environment where you had unlimited time, and uh, what would you want your morning to look like? How would you spend your morning? Oh, that sounds so nice. I would, I think I would definitely linger over a cup of coffee, maybe relax like in a comfy chair or a hammock or something. 
do some yoga, maybe meditate or read, relax, maybe go for a hike or a swim. Um, yeah, just sleep. Yeah. Do things that are sort of rejuvenating, you know? And if you imagine your life 20 years from now, having done that every morning for 20 years, what do you think would be the benefits to you? Well, just, I mean, I think it feels good just even thinking about it. Like, I just think it would feel very invigorating and that I was, um, you know, fulfilling, that I would have time to do things that sort of feed my soul and fulfill me. Yeah. So you'd feel more fulfilled. And my guess is if we looked at your biology, you probably wouldn't have aged 20 years. You probably would have aged closer to 12 years. Or <laughs> looked at your telomeres, you'd have longer telomeres. And you probably would also be more present with your kids and more present in your life and just really savoring, savoring your day. Absolutely. And yeah. So that, that all sounds wonderful in a miracle sense, but none of us have unlimited time and none of us, well, very few of us live at spas. <laughs> right. And so, but what we can do is start to look at, there are some values there of things, things that you care about that you would like to maybe have in the morning. I heard yoga and I heard rest and I heard sort of a peaceful, quiet time, time with your coffee. And we could actually take a few of those things and start to establish them as part of a morning routine. And the goal here being that your first list gets a little bit closer to your second list. And it's really only small things that you could implement to make a difference. So for example, I, I had a yoga instructor early on in my 20s that said uh, it would be better for you to do 15 minutes of yoga every day as opposed to just coming to yoga class once a week. And the reason being that what you do in those little little bits, even if they're small, repetitively makes a big difference. So what I'm hoping to do is maybe for us to create a little bit uh, more intention in that morning time. And we have about 25,000 mornings of our life. So that's 25,000 times to practice this, uh, this repetition. That can really add up. I mean, even if you just do some of these things a few minutes a day, if you do them 25,000 times over the course of your life, that's a lot of minutes. Exactly. Yeah. So we're going to talk about 10 steps to kissing your frog first. And the first three steps are based on really some of the principles of tiny habits from BJ Fogg, as well as some of the principles of habit formation by Charles Duhigg. And if you go back, if you want to do some behavior change, I would recommend going back and listening to our episodes number four and five. Debbie and I both listened to them. They were early in our podcasting. We were like, wow. Yeah. Really great. <laughs> There's a lot of useful information in those. Yeah. yeah. Go what? Go past selves. Go past selves. <laughs> so those, we'll, we'll be talking a little bit about some of those principles, but go back and listen to them because we actually uh, will uh, be using a lot of it today and it'll be helpful in establishing your morning routine. So the number one step to kissing your frog first is establish a tiny habit from your heart's intention really stopping and asking yourself and what matters to you. You could go back to that list from the miracle list, but part of it is thinking about what is that thing maybe that you long to do, but you never quite get to it. And maybe it's something that you remember from the past that brought you a lot of peace and uh, enjoyment. So some of the things we've thought about are gardening or playing a musical instrument 
or maybe it's something an intention that you really want to a habit you want to create but you can't you, you try and do it every afternoon or and you can't quite get it to stick so it could be something like exercise or meditation what are some of the other things you've thought of debbie that could be good ones well i was thinking if uh, for people who love arts and creative writing um, there's a book called The Artist's Way where she does this exercise. It's sort of essential to her approach called the morning pages where you get up each morning and you do some, like, I think she has people do like two pages of free writing every single morning. So just to get the creative juices flowing, just yeah. sit down and write or do something creative. Some other ideas that we had were things that maybe involve other people. So it could be going for an early morning hike with a good friend. Uh, it could be going for your own walk and calling a good friend. That's when I do most of my phone calls to my friends early in the morning on my run. Yes, and I've talked to you on a run before. It's very fun. Yes. A lot of good blood flow. <laughs> yeah, I hear you huffing and puffing and some great creativity coming out of your runs. Yeah. Yeah. So thinking about what is it, what, what are the seeds that you want to plant? And when we think about planting, at least when I think about planting my garden every year, I think about not only the enjoyment of, of planting the seeds and watching them grow, but also what is it that I'm going to want to harvest at the end of the season? So we want a lot in our house, we eat a lot of greens. So we plant a lot of lettuce and kale, but we don't eat a lot of turnips. So we don't plant that. So what is it also that if you practice this repetitively for years, that you would be, would be some of the fruits of, that you would want to harvest from this practice. Mm -hmm. So starting with that, uh, what is it that your, um, Heart longs for. And my my routine really started with exercising every morning after my son was born. And that was because I really needed a little bit of time to myself. And what I found early on as a, a young mother was that if I didn't take it first thing, it would just be taken from me for the rest of the day. And I would never have that till the end of the day. And I remember so well going to bed at night thinking, I just really long for the me before I was a parent. Like yes. I missed her. <laughs> I hear you. Like Diana. Yep. <laughs> and so I started finding her in the mornings. I feel like I started finding her and I started with movement because that was something that I had always done that um, was a way to get back into my body. And it was also a nice time to actually physically leave the house. <laughs> uh huh. So it was good for me to do that. A little freedom. <laughs> yeah. And since then, my routine has really uh, built from there, and it's been small iterations over time. So I wake up at 5, and the first thing that I do is put on my exercise clothes. And then the next part of my routine I developed about a year or so later, which is putting on my socks by balancing. So we're going to practice this. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> if you stand on one foot. Our listeners can practice, too, if they're not driving in the car. You can give it a try. Okay. Yeah, imagine it's 5 a.m. and you're putting your socks on. <laughs> Bleary. Okay. So you stand on one foot and go to lift up your foot to put your sock on. And what do you notice as you lift up your foot, Debbie? Um, you're kind of balancing and your leg is kind of sticking out. Yeah. I don't know. The, the up leg is kind of, yeah. So try and put your knee straight in front of you and then put your sock on. And you may notice oh, that it's yeah. a little bit more what do you notice is you different have to like that? you have to sort of curve down more you have to curve you have down to reach more. yeah you have, you to, have reach. to reach so you get more of a stretch in your lower back it's a little bit more challenging by keeping your knee straight 
And if you do that, instead of most people want to sit down to put their socks on or their, your knee jets out to the side. Uh, but if you did that repetitively, while you still can, if you, if you can do that right now, or you work towards doing that over time for years and years and years, you'll have really good balance. Yes. And I want to have good balance when I'm 80 years old and still be able to do yoga classes. Well, and you so, know, speaking of tiny habits, I mean, how long would you say it takes you to do this? Like, well, I was already doing it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's not because so, it's not extra yeah. time because it already it's takes probably the same amount of time as putting your socks on the other way. Right. Yeah. So, so part of the morning routine may be just even changing things that you already are doing to something that's more intentional and that wouldn't even take more time, uh-huh. but that you are more conscious yes. of what, what you're creating. What are the neural pathways? What are the physical pathways that you want to create? And so, yeah, so that's, you know, an example of that would be like, if you take a shower, typically for me, when I take a shower, I'm sitting there thinking about my day and I'm kind of worrying or I'm reflecting on something. If you actually want to practice a little bit of mindfulness, you can just really tune into the shower, you know, smell the shampoo, feel the water on your skin, smell the air. You don't need to add extra time to do that, but you can get a little mini mindfulness practice in. Right. As Steve Hayes would say, get out of your head and into your life. That's right. Get out of your head and into your shower. <laughs> get out of your head and into your shower. Yeah. And that, and also think about the neural circuitry that you are reinforcing. When you're in the shower and you're worrying about your day, you're reinforcing worry yep. neural circuitry. Mm-hmm. When you're in the shower and you're enjoying the pleasant experience, then you're actually living your life. Yeah. And many of us think that we're trying to get somewhere. Morning time in particular, we think that we're trying to get somewhere. But it's also important to realize that there is no place to get to. This is our life right yeah. here. Yep. So take some time to live right. your life. Right. <laughs> okay. So then <laughs> after the on. socks, then what do you do? So I put my socks on. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a slow process here. <laughs> I know. trying to uh, integrate more Ayurveda. I've gotten kind of interested in Ayurvedic principles. And one of the uh, practices in Ayurveda is actually a wonderful book called The Ayurveda Way by Ajmira. But one of the practices is to have a large glass of warm water in the morning. And it's really soothing and wake, wakes up yourself from, from the inside in a soothing way. So I have a glass of warm water. And then I have, I used to drink coffee, but now I drink dandy brew. Uh, but I have a drink dandy brew latte. And that's part of my first reinforcement. We'll talk a little bit about reinforcement later. But I reinforce myself early in the chain. Coffee is huge reinforcer for me in the morning, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good one. Yeah, and uh, it's a great reinforcement for waking up. So reinforce myself, and then I sit on my cushion, and I have some really beautiful buckwheat cushions that have are covered in silk, and they're just I really like looking at them, and I appreciate them. So I have these wonderful cushions, and I do either some I've done some Wim Hof breathing in the past, or sometimes I do reading, and then I sit for my meditation, and I do either a vipassana or compassion meditation. And really the focus of my meditation is what is it that's happening inside of me right now? And can I be present with that? So it's very much getting present in my body first thing. After that, I do some journaling and I've done a number of different types of journaling over time. Uh, I've used the freedom journal, which is one where you can get really specific if you're trying to reach a goal in like a hundred days and it has specific questions around goal setting and uh, and sort of 10-day sprints towards that goal. 
but I also like to do appreciations. And I, I used to do, have you done some gratitude journaling? Debbie? I've tried that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've tried that. I've done some for periods of time. Yeah, we keep on getting this message from the happiness researchers that <laughs> exactly. we should be doing. Yes, all the positive psychologists are telling us we should be doing this. Yes, yes. we should be doing gratitude journals. And I think you've used the word pokey at one point to describe <laughs> Well, it does. Sometimes to me, it starts to feel a little, yeah. It well, starts to feel a little forced to me, personally. Yeah, yeah. So I, I really like, for whatever reason, the tweak in using the word appreciation has been helpful for me. What is it that I, what is it that I appreciate? And often it's people that I appreciate, but it can be other things. But when I, when I write about what I appreciate or through things I appreciate, it seems to facilitate me expressing appreciation through the day. So I do a little bit of journaling. I like to think about um, looking back maybe from the day before or at the end of the day and looking at <clears throat> moments to savor. For some reason, that fits a little better for me than gratitude is to just try to pay a little bit more attention to those moments or those experiences in your life that really meant something to you. Right. And that it's also that's part of what allows it to really get into our system and our experience mm -hmm. when we yeah. savor and linger on it. Yeah. So and then finally, I, I have some form of movement and my commitment to movement has been that I will move every day but that I have a menu of options to choose from based on how I'm feeling. And that's been really helpful to me because some days I just want to walk. That's on my menu of options. And other days I want to run and I want to have more energy. Or some days I do high intensity interval training uh, with my partner and that feels really wonderful and connecting. And then other days I don't really want to be with my partner first thing in the morning. I want to be alone. <laughs> so having a, a menu of options to choose from. Diana, I, I've been trying one recently on days when I know I'm not going to have time to exercise and I want to do a little bit of movement. Um, did you, do you remember this? It was in the New York Times a couple of years ago, um, the seven-minute workout. It's basically yeah. a high-intensity training, like you were saying, but it literally is a series of 30-minute exercises that add up to around seven minutes. And you can 30-second exercises? 30-second exercises yeah. mm -hmm. with a slight break in between. Um, and there are apps you can download. Most of them are free that will actually like time you and show you what to do. So you can actually, the, when I've been doing it, I do feel like I, it's hard enough that I feel like I got a little bit of exercise, but I can really do it very easily within my morning routine. All you need is a chair. Yeah. You don't need any fancy equipment. You don't even need to put on your shoes. You can just do it barefooted. I, I love that. And I also like that it's really, if you're traveling, you can do it mm -hmm. when you travel. Or if you have young children, when when we exercise in the morning doing the high intensity animal training, our kids will be like climbing on our backs or we're trying to do yeah. push-ups. And, and you, can have, you can have it be at home. So eliminating some of the barriers mm -hmm. to actually getting yourself move, to move is really helpful if you have low motivation to, to move in if that's a goal that you want. So that's a, that's a great one. Yeah. It eliminates the time barrier as well as the needing lots of stuff. You could do it in your pajamas yeah. if you need yeah. to. Yeah. Okay. So well, you have quite a morning routine and I feel like you've, as you said, you've built this over time with a series of habits that you've added more and more. Um, so yeah, that's really inspiring. <laughs> so I, I think that, uh, Designing for yourself, not based on the morning routine that I just stated. If you're, if you're, that knowing that this has been eight years 
Uh in the making. Yeah. And so thinking about which little thing, going back to tiny habits, which little thing would you want to put in that would be beneficial, knowing that you will have your whole lifetime to keep building and making changes and modify. Yes. Add on. Okay. So tiny habits. The next area we want to talk about about is identifying the cue. And this comes from Charles Duhigg's work in the book, The Power of Habit. And he talks about building a habit um, as looking at this loop of three um, pieces. The first is the cue, then the behavior, then the reward. So for, and, and sort of repeat that cycle. And so for example, your alarm clock could be the cue and then the behavior could be get out of bed and then the reward could be drink a cup of coffee. Um, and so what it does is it starts to remind your brain that this kind of positive feedback loop happens that, okay, next time this reminder happens, I'm going to do the same thing and the same reinforcer is going to happen. And so what you want to do with your morning routine is to start to link these tiny habits to, you know, cues that are in your environment or things that you're already doing. So for example, BJ Fogg talks about doing three push-ups every time he goes to the bathroom to pee. So he will, you know, that's the cue is going to the bathroom, he'll do his three push-ups, and then he'll do, I think, like a little positive affirmation for himself for having done it. So there's the cue behavior reward. And one thing you can think about is, okay, where can I add some new behaviors? What cues can prompt me to do certain things? And it's always a really helpful idea to add a behavior or switch a behavior instead of trying to take one away. So like if you're in the habit of grabbing your your smartphone and reading the news and wasting like 20 minutes every morning, which I've certainly done on <laughs> many mornings. Um, but you know that that's probably going to waste all of the valuable time you could have. So think, okay, when I grab my phone, what could I do instead in that moment that would allow for some new behavior? So maybe I'll put on some hand lotion instead, or take a few mindful breaths, or kiss my partner, or something like that. So instead of reaching for the phone, you're building in a new, taking the cue and building in a new behavior that's something you would prefer to be doing. And that's a lot um, easier than trying to break a habit. Great. So you're identifying the cue that's already already there already there and then putting your behavior next to that exactly exactly and then you want to reinforce it too you want to make it reinforcing or add a reinforcement that's going to help you keep that going so that next time you see the cue you'll want to keep doing the same behavior Mm -hmm. okay and then another one the third one crispify the behavior which is also from bj fogg i believe Um, And this is really just about getting specific. And so we've already talked about some of these tiny habits. You just want to get really, really specific about what you want to add to your morning routine. Again, make it small so that it doesn't take a whole lot of motivation to get going. Um, And, you know, so you might want to start with something like just waking up five minutes earlier and doing, um, I mentioned earlier, I do the Headspace app. I do the 10 minute mindfulness meditations, but he, um, the guy who does Headspace also has like three minute mindfulness, five minute. So you could just start by waking up five minutes earlier and doing like a three minute meditation before you even get out of bed. Um, and so then anyway, you could just build up starting to add more and more behaviors, but you want to get really specific and put some thought into for me, it actually really helps to make a plan to, I can waste, you know, an hour trying to figure out what to do and just getting stuck in indecision. So you want to get really specific and sort of plan it out in advance, and then you can just do it. 
Right. And this is where I think that maybe Debbie and I, Debbie and I differ yeah. a little bit. <laughs> I think our, our, this is where our personalities come to life. Because, <laughs> yeah. So, so you're much more flexible than I am and where I am specific to the point of how I'm putting on my socks in the morning. <laughs> yes. I'm not quite as structured. I have to admit. Yes. And, and I think having it match uh, your personality style of, of what would work for you in terms of the structure, if you want lots of structure or just want more of an intention, but either way, getting clear on what the, what the behavior is, is helpful because yeah. if we just expect our morning selves to make the decision on what we're going to do, our morning selves won't do it. We need to do that ahead of time and put the clear intention out there. What, what is the behavior you want to introduce? Yeah, take it from me. I mean, I am really not a, I'm not good at being a very structured kind of planful type of person. And I used this um, journal that I found online to help get a morning routine started. And it has you plan out what time you're going to go to bed, what time you're going to wake up and what you're going to do in the morning. And as much as that just, I cringe at that because it seems way too structured to me, it actually helped because it just made me think it through in advance. And then it ended up being a lot easier to to do the behaviors because I was, I had a plan. Right. So, so if I can do what, it, yeah. you can. <laughs> and what you're doing in the planning is you're actually rehearsing the behavior. Yeah. So it's much like a basketball player that before bed, they practice shooting baskets, right? They practice their play because that actually will increase their performance when they play the game. So mm -hmm. by you doing the planning ahead of time, you're rehearsing the morning F. That's right. So, yeah. And then you can just get up and do it. Yeah. Okay, number four is what you mentioned, Debbie, reward the routine. And it's really important that you reward the routine. Uh, for some people and for myself, I reward my routine throughout the, the chain of events so that it keeps it going. And there's Rick Hansen, who is the neuropsychologist, a Buddhist neuropsychologist. He talks about creating neuropathways by, uh, by re rehearsing them and he also talks about how it takes about 20 to 30 seconds for a positive event to actually get into our implicit memory. So our implicit memory is different from our, uh, what's called our declarative memory. Our declarative memory is our memory for events. I went to Legoland last year. But our implicit memory is more of our experiential memory. It's our memory of being alive, basically. And when we have negative events in our life, they pretty much automatically go into our memory system. But positive events, we have to linger on. We have to practice and savor. So when you are doing your morning routine, it's important to introduce rewards, but then you actually also savor the rewards. Some of the rewards may be things like a cup of coffee that is something that you're adding to give yourself a little boost, or maybe you bought yourself your favorite gel pens to do your coloring pages. Mm -hmm. Some of the, some rewards may also just be more uh, infused into the experience itself, intrinsic rewards. And the intrinsic rewards may be things like when you do a meditation practice, just experiencing the positive feeling, the after effects of your body being centered and your mind being a little bit quieter. Or when you're running, the experience of being outside in nature, like in our nature episode where you pay attention to sounds and smells and uh, the experience of your body moving through nature. Mm -hmm. 
So Rick Hansen says there's four steps that we could do that would strengthen the learning of a positive experience. So when you're awarding the experience, you want to introduce the reward number, and they're based on the acronym HEAL, H-E-A-L. So H is have the positive experience. E is enrich, and A is amplify. So enriching and amplifying is allowing yourself to have that felt experience in your body and really enjoying it. And amplifying it is getting sort of mindful about it and maybe even increasing the, the experience by adding, mm-hmm. by adding to it. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth is L, which is link the positive to the negative. So when I wake up in the morning, that's the hardest time for me in my whole chain is the wake up. And that's probably the most negative part of the, the morning routine. How I work with that is I remind myself when I wake up of how good it's going to feel when I'm done and remind myself that this is something that I really wanted. So I try and pull in that value really early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's great. So you're really building that reward and kind of the reinforcement um, by cueing into the positive. Yes. And yeah. focusing on it. Let it really get into your memory uh, so that you, you start to actually crave your morning routine. I don't know if that started to happen. For it you. has. I, it's yes. Believe it or not. I can't believe it, but I definitely feel a little on the days I don't do it. I feel like I kind of am missing it. And on the, and I'm kind of looking forward to it now. I can't believe it. I yeah. truly can't. This is a non morning person talking. Yeah. Yeah. This is what exercisers often say is that yeah, they actually start to, to want to, to do that yeah. to exercise. And same with meditators. You start to feel like something's missing if you haven't done your morning meditation. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Okay, so the next um, idea that we had is about changing your environment to support your routine. So really what you want to do is just set up the living space that you're in to make it as easy as possible to engage in your routine. Um, So for example, you know, there's just a whole bunch of things you could do. You could lay, if you're going to do a few yoga stretches, you could put your yoga mat out. If you enjoy coffee, you can get that all kind of set up and ready to go. You can put your water bottle out. You can put your exercise clothes somewhere that's really easy to put them on. I find that sometimes I even purposely wear clothes to sleep in that I could exercise in in the morning so I don't even have to change clothes. (laughs) Um, And then you can do things like if you're planning to do a little bit of reading or journaling, you can set that out next to, you know, a cozy spot with nice lighting. Um, you could, if you have some apps that you're using for meditation or whatever, you can just keep that all handy. For me, one thing I found helpful, so I sleep upstairs, which is warm in my house. So we always turn the heat way down. So it's really cold downstairs. So I get up and go downstairs to do my morning routine and it's cold. So I set out a really cozy sweatshirt that I love and some nice wool socks. And I just put them at the top of the stairs so that I'm ready to just grab those. Um, so it just makes it really easy. And so that I, and then I turn the heat up, but then I'm not cold in that first few minutes. It really helps me just makes it a lot easier. So whatever you can do in your environment to support making it simple so that it's just easier to move right into these behaviors. Yeah. Setting the stage so you can just step into it. Exactly. Yeah. Anything that takes extra effort might derail you. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. So number six is your morning routine starts with the night before. And if we go back to that spa miracle question, what a huge part of that was that you had enough time, but you were also well rested. And 
First, I want to say that if you're morning, if you're planning a morning routine, and part of that planning means that you're going to carve out your sleep time without replacing it. So all of a sudden, now you're going to say, "I'm going to sleep six hours every night versus eight." Please don't do that, because sleep trumps all of this. We know that sleep is really essential,、uh, more essential than you. Doing things like getting even your exercise or whatever it is that you want to get done. So part of that is getting to bed early. And one way we can look at how to get to bed earlier is look at what's happening in the evening time that really isn't maybe as beneficial or meaningful as what you would be wanting to doing in the, to do in the morning.、Mm-hmm. When my husband and I were getting our PhDs together. We watched a lot of TV. Yeah, you have to <laughs> and, turn your brain off sometime, right? It just yes, <laughs> yeah. We needed to at night after the full day just to turn off our brain and watch. We watched actually, caveat, watched a lot of stupid TV, a lot of The Bachelor. <laughs> it wasn't the good high quality TV that's on nowadays. It was yeah. <laughs> and、uh, what I found during that time in watching TV was that. Not only did once you start watching TV at night, the more tired that we would get, the more shows we would watch because it felt so effortful to get up from the couch、mm-hmm. to go wash my face and go to bed. I would just stay there and watch another one, and we also did a lot of mindless eating at night, which was also part of trying to keep ourselves awake. And that, you know, later on, what some of the research that I've read now is that we spend nine years of our lives watching TV,、yeah. which is that's、sad. disturbing. Almost a full decade spent vegging, yeah. And it's not that watching TV is evil and that we shouldn't be able to have shows in our life, but maybe if you were spending two years of your life watching TV instead of nine, what you could do with those other hours. Yeah. And when is the point, sort of? Of diminishing returns. Yeah, yeah. Maybe carving out a TV night once in a while, you know, on a certain night that you just want to relax, but not to make it the default mode where you just、yeah. do it every night. Yeah. So that could be one place where you could get to bed earlier, but maybe just looking at your own night. What are you doing at night that isn't particularly something that's aligned with what you want your life to be about, and getting to bed a little bit earlier. Now the second part is that. Your morning routine also starts with the week before, so there's ways in which you can set up your week to support yourself in the morning. And one of the things that I started to look at was what are the things that I'm doing repetitively in the morning that I could do another time. Things like making breakfasts and lunches. So the week before, or once a week, usually on Sundays, I'll make a big batch of granola, and that's something that my children can come and get down, and they can make their own breakfast. In the morning, and or I'll make a big batch of、uh, steel cut oats in a、mm-hmm. slow cooker. Sometimes I'll do that the night before so that it's just ready to go for a cold morning. I'll also make my lunches when I'm making dinners the day before. So I'm making myself lunch for the day, and then also making my kids lunches when the kitchen's already messy and it's just one cleanup and one you know massive chopping or leftover you know experience. So thinking about how can I outsource some of my the things that I'm doing, you go back to that list of all the things that you do in the morning. Which one of those could you put somewhere else, and then that carves out that amount of time for you in your morning routine.、Mm-hmm. Well, this is an area where I appreciate your advice because you know I'm not great about this. My lack of planning and structure is.、Uh, 
I don't typically set myself up in this way. So thank you for those great ideas. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So another area that um, we recommend is don't mind your mind. So you will find that your mind is going to really trip you up when it comes to getting out of bed in the morning to start your morning routine. Um, Diana, what are some of the thoughts that you have? You've been doing this for a really long time, but you still have this trouble sometimes just getting up and going, what kinds of things does, does your mind say to you when you're trying to get started? It usually tells me how cozy my bed is. Uh -huh. It's so warm in here and so cold out there. Uh -huh. So it, it makes scary things about the out there place. And then it, it always says, I just don't want to. I don't want it today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like, like it. I yeah. don't feel like yeah. it. I'll yeah. do it tomorrow. That's my mind always tells me that. Okay, not today, tomorrow. Yes. You know, I'm always thinking that my future self is going to be some more motivated person than my right, current right. self. Yeah. yeah. And so the key here is really just to recognize that this is what's going to happen, that this is what's happening, to notice that, um, okay, these are just thoughts and I can still do the behavior anyway. So even if your mind is telling you all of this, you can still get up, get out of bed and get going. Um, sometimes it's helpful to actually make a list of your most common kind of self-sabotaging thoughts around getting up in the morning so that you really recognize them when they come up um, and just prove your mind wrong, you know, just teach your mind who's the boss and go ahead and get up. And this is also an area where I think that just letting your values guide you can be really helpful. So just remembering why this is important to you, remembering the benefits of this um, and just recognizing that this is an important thing that you're doing. And that can kind of help when your mind is, is not on board. Yeah, absolutely. So like every time I tell my kids that it's time to take a shower, they say, no, I don't want to. And you can kind of predict that they're yeah. going to say that every time, but you're still going to go take the shower. Right. So predicting and then they get in and they don't want to get out. Right? And they don't want to get out. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, which is just like us because we don't want to go do the, the morning routine and get out of bed. But then we do, we're like, oh, that was great. Yeah. So that's part of transforming it from eating the frog to thinking about it as kissing the frog. Yep. And that's really what we're hoping for all of you to do is to think about what would be kissing the frog for you. So the last step is dialectically commit. And this comes from Marsha Linehan's dialectical behavior therapy. And the idea here is to go in with 100% commitment to doing your morning routine, but also holding that there's going to be times where you stray from it or you don't do it or things go a little bit off course and that you can hold both. You can be both solid in your commitment, but also flexible in how you approach it to kind of return back to, to doing a routine when you move off course. Yeah. So even if you some days maybe just do hardly anything, just like a one or two minutes or you skip a day or two and get back to it later, you still have a commitment there and have some flexibility. Yeah, that's one thing that Tara Brock mentioned in, in the retreat that I went with her, which is that she made a commitment a number of years ago to do a meditation practice every single day. But the loophole she gave herself was that that meditation practice can be one to two minutes on some yeah, days. Yeah, that's been helpful for me just to keep going even at times when I stray from it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so now let's just kind of quickly go back over the, uh, kind of a recap of the, the steps that we mentioned for kissing your frog first in the morning. So first is establish a tiny habit from your heart's intention. So again, figuring out what really matters to you and setting some behaviors toward that. Identifying your cue and building, you know, routines and rewards around cues that are 
in your environment and in your in your already existing routines. Three is to get really specific about the behavior, crispify the behavior. Four, you want to really reward the routines, so build those positive experiences, pay attention to them, and add those to the whole routine to, to reinforce it. Change your environment to support your routine. Just make it as easy as possible. Um, next, you want to start your morning routine the night before by getting a really good night of sleep, um, by using your time wisely, and then also starting it the week before by setting up your routine in ways that, that make your mornings more efficient so that you have more time. Next is don't mind your mind. So just beware of those kind of tricky thoughts and, and don't let them trip you up. And then finally, dialectically commit. So again, finding that balance between commitment with also being somewhat flexible about it. Wonderful. And I wanted to just close with a poem by Woman Wukai, and it's called The Best Season. 10,000 flowers in spring, the moon in autumn, a cool breeze in summer, snow in winter. If your mind isn't clouded by unnecessary things, this is the best season of your life. Wow, that's great. This is the best season of your life. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Diana. And good luck to everyone, um, especially with daylight savings, just giving this a try. And if you do try to build a morning routine, we would love to hear from you about how it's going and whether you found any of our suggestions helpful. Great, wonderful. Have a wonderful morning. You too, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Psychologists Off the Clock. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and iTunes. You can also find us at www.offtheclockpsych.com. That's offtheclockpsych.com. Music by John Goo and Susie Stevens.